Good morning on this August 14th, 2020, for another episode of It's Maybe a Good Time to Listen. This segment is called The Journal Mind. That's right, it's called The Journal Mind. <clears throat> now, most folks about 40 years old or older have probably heard the journal story, you know. And all that most people remember is him getting swallowed by a great fish or some say a whale. Now, in, now that part I'm not interested in so much about the whale part. And it's not important if it were a whale, which is a mammal, or if it were a great fish, which is a fish. The point is God prepared it, so whatever it was, it was big enough to swallow Jonah. That's not what this is about, though. It's about the mind that Jonah had in the first place. So let's listen to Jonah's mindset. Now, Jonah is four chapters. I'm not going to read all four chapters. I'm just going to pick out basically what the story is about. <clears throat> so, for example, like I'm starting with Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 from the NIV. So you get a background story. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed from Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now on to John chapter 2. This is when he was already in the belly of the well. And of course he was praying. And this is part of his prayer. So this is John chapter 2 verses 8 to 10 of the NIV. <clears throat> John saying, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with the shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah on the dry land. So when Jonah was in the belly, he was getting down to business. Now we're going to Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 to 5 in the NIV. Okay, so after the fish vomited out Jonah on dry land, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord this time and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city. He was flying. Proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. You know, you put on sackcloth that is like burlap. You know, itchy stuff you take off your clothes, put on on, on sackcloth to show that you're mourning 
that you're fasting, that you're getting down to business with the Lord. <clears throat> that was part of the custom back then. Also in Genesis chapter 3, this is verse 10 from the NIV. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now, listen to Jonah's mind. This chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, NIV. But Jonah, but to the, excuse me, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall by fleeing the torches. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take, you, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Okay, John chapter 4, verses 5 to 11. And be also. Jonah had gone and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his comfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. <clears throat> uh, but at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. Hmm. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's big head. No, <laughs> doesn't say big head. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head. So that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? See the point? So, too many people today are waiting for God to wipe out the wicked, but, but that's not the mind of God. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, and verse 32 from the NIV. First, verse 23. Do not I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord. Oh, excuse me. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their wicked ways and live? 
For I take no pleasure in the death of... No, this is verse 32. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. Bless the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Now we might ask, why are so many people dying and why is the world suffering like this? Well, here's a few reasons. Isaiah chapter 24, verse 5 and 6 in the NLT. I say this one a lot. The Lord, the earth, um, me, the earth suffers for the sins of his people. For they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay a price for their sin. They are destroyed by fire and only a few are left. That last sentence said, hasn't happened yet. <clears throat> but they're destroyed by fire and only a few are left. That's coming, hasn't happened left. But nevertheless, there's a curse that consumes the earth. Thanks to Adam and Eve falling in the garden. The earth has been cursed since then. Also, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 2 to 4 from the NIV. Solomon says, All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so it is with those who are afraid or are afraid to take them. This is evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward they join the dead. So that's this whole point about common destiny. Whether it's good or bad, you're all going to die. Anyone who is coming, excuse me, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. <laughs> Listen to that again. Anyone who is among the living has hope. That's right. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. So don't salivate to see the wicked get punished. They will in due time. It will either be while they're living or at the white throne, the great white throne judgment. As a matter of fact, Psalm 91.8 says, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. In Psalm 37 and 10, says a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But don't be happy when they fall, but just be aware that God is on the case. It's also not a good idea for folks to, to want to see the day of the Lord fall on people. Soon. The rapture, yes. Wish for that. For the catching away of the saints, yeah, wish for that. But not the day of the Lord's wrath. <clears throat> the day of wrath has started by the time Jesus opens the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. <clears throat> 
Now, whether you're a pre-trip person, a mid-trip person, or a post-trip person, it's not that important. The, what I'm saying here is, don't wish for the day of the Lord to be falling on people say everybody gets punished. You should get punished. That's not right. You, you can wish to get off this earth so you don't have to witness this stuff anymore. But don't wish for bad things to happen to people. Now, if this is an Old Testament prophet but still talk about the day of the Lord. <clears throat> this is Amos chapter 5, verses 18 to 20 from the NIV. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and raised his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Now this is not necessarily talking about uh, no sun and no moon, but it's talking about the darkness of sin, the darkness of evil <clears throat> that's coming upon the land. In other words, there's nothing good going to be happening during this time. Then he said, it's going to be like a man fleeing from a lion, and he's like, oh, I got away from the lion. And all of a sudden, he meets a bear. Or he goes in his house and puts his hand on the wall, saying, ah, I made it. And then a snake comes out and bites him. So there's nothing good going to be happening during that time. That's what we're telling you. So don't wish for the day of the Lord. Jonah tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. But who can do that? Excuse me a second. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24, the NIV, says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Proverbs 15 and 3 says, the eyes, of the, Lord, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Psalms 139, verse 7 to 12. I'm going to read this from the, from the NLT. I can never escape from your spirit. I can, this is David. Yeah, David. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. So we you going to go from the presence of the Lord? Nowhere. Jonah thought he was getting away, but no, he wasn't. So let's not have a Jonah mind, but a mind like Christ. He has a different mindset than us. We have to match him, not continue to show the sinful nature we were born with. Something's wrong if we reflect the old nature and not the new self. According to Colossians 2.11, chapter 2, verse 11, 
from the NLT. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. All right. No judgment call here. That's between us and the God we serve. But it appears, according to the word, that the sinful nature has been cut away. Another version says that Christ has put off the uh, sinful nature by the circumcision he performed. I pray that we all are acceptable in his sight and don't have a journal mind. Since we shouldn't have a mind, a journal mind, what kind of mind should we have? Well, Philippians 2, verse 5, the New King James says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> also, Philipp, you know, Philippians, also Philippians 2 and 5, but from the NLT says, You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Now, if we can just remember that God has everything in control, we could relax in him. But it's not easy. God never said this journey would be easy. But it's about endurance, not dotting I's and crossing T's. Now, as you mature, necessary I's will get dotted and necessary T's will get crossed. The doctrine will follow you as you stay with Christ because God does not expect us to try to live right under our own power. It can't be done anyway. It takes the spirit of Christ living in us to do his will. If we try to live right in our own power, it becomes a never-ending checklist that doesn't count. Strive for perfection, but don't ever throw your hands up and quit. If you're seasoned enough, you won't quit. You may cry, you may try to quit, but before you even finish talking about quitting, you find yourself either picking up a Bible to read or find yourself on your knees praying. I'm a witness to that. The inward drive becomes stronger than the outward drive. Now, with everybody there, will all depend on the seriousness and determination in your heart. Do you talk about quitting this race twice a week? <laughs> I hope not. Because, well, in all honesty, you got a long way to go if you're doing that. <clears throat> As the desire to quit gets less and less, and that will to, to get more Jesus gets more and more, you're going in the right direction. So keep it up. So let us not have a journal mind because it's the wrong mindset. Too many people today just want the wicked to get punished. But, you know, how does God feel about us? Now, if we're truly saved but not wicked, and our destiny is heaven if we're truly saved. But we have to remember that it's not up to us to judge anybody. But like God's decision, it's our job to love everybody. So, just remember that. Let's keep going on the Lord. And I have a journal mind, but I have a mind like Christ. Because that's the only one that's going to count. 
So stay blessed and encouraged in Jesus' name. And keep going on and don't give up. Amen.